Welcome to Bound by Books. I am one of your hosts, Danielle Bannister, and I also write romance and suspense romance. And I'm joined today with Sherry Hayes, and I write steamy contemporary romance and BDSM romance. So <laughs> we've got we've got all your your steam and spice all across right. the board between right. the two of us. You've got you covered. <laughs> How are you doing today on this fine day? Uh, I'm doing well, much better than I have the last couple of weeks. I've been yeah, you've had the cough and the yeah, yeah. It's going around in my house too. My son has it now. All of a sudden, I'm like congested. I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's how it starts. The little congestion, maybe a little sore throat, and then it's like the drainage going on there. Mm, Yeah, I've got some some Mm. serious drainage issues going on. Yeah, it's it's quite fun. The 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 ruckus going on here. I have avoided it's really not years, (laughs) and now I think it's it's coming my way. So good to get this podcast out of the way. It is. It's very good. Yeah, because hopefully you and I get it. Hopefully it will not hit you hard because hope not. It, it it hit me. This is actually the worst cold I've had in probably 10 years. Wow. So I, yeah, it knocked me on my butt. So right. I was not happy about that. And on top of all of that, new release. By the time this podcast yes. comes out, both of us both will of have us. new books out. We have a release on the same day. We share a release birthday yes. on November 15th. So that's exciting. What yes. book is, is coming out for you? I mean, for I me, know, it's but... cl- <laughs> yeah. For me, it's Claiming His Kiss, which is a, um, it's BDSM. So if you like some kink in your in your romance. Is it a first um, series or is it? Uh... No, it, it is the fourth book in my Serpent's Kiss series, but it it can be read as a standalone because it is a singular couple. Um, but it's an age gap romance. It's a friends to lovers age gap romance. So he is 55 and she is 32. So it's they're both 23 old enough years. to know what they're doing. It's 23 years. That's, a, that's an age you know, Somebody's <laughs> but yes, in they're their old 30s enough. is a yes. little bit more mature than yes. somebody who's in their early 20s. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. This is the a this is a type of age gap where you don't get the like creepy vibes because right. you're not having like an 18-year-old <laughs> right, with a 40-year-old. Right. Exactly. This is this is exactly. yeah, they're 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 old enough to, you know, and experienced enough to make very informed decisions. Right. So it's a very healthy relationship. Good. Let's put it that Good. way. Nice. Um, and how about you? You tell us a little bit about yours. Cause I mean, I know, I know a little bit about it. Right. Yes. Um, this is the, the proof copy. So of course there's that big stupid bar across <laughs> right across the title. Thank you very That's much. It's the only Amazon. one I've got too so far. I'm like, oh, oh. I haven't find my real copies yet. Uh, This one is Waiting in the Wings. It is a contemporary romance, some rom-com elements to it. A sort of a fish out of water sort of trope about a theater admin who suddenly gets thrust into the spotlight acting, of course, somebody stupid hot. You know, so you've got, you know, those typical romance tropes and she's got to kiss him in the show and, you know, sort of that whole drama that goes with it and there's a you know a stage manager involved that might kind of create sort of a triangle situation so yeah you got a little bit of a love triangle love triangle sort of uh fun story so it's only got a hint of heat because I, i do have readers who who like 
not a lot of steam in their stuff. So this one's on the lighter side. So if that's you, then this one will be right up your alley. So like my mom will like this one. <laughs> she reads my steamy stuff, but I think it's a little she harder. She prefers a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> A little bit lighter on the steam. Yeah, so, mine's the same way. It's yeah. like she she will read my steamy stuff, but she much prefers my contemporary romance right. to my right. erotic romance. Right. So right, you right, know, right, right. I <laughs> I get it. I get it, Ma. I get it. I get it. Um, uh, but now you when you you knew you were doing this book, we, we you um you worked with a playwright. I did. Yeah. Now, I. I kind of tying this in a little bit to what we're going to be talking about today. How did you share or exchange those details that you needed for your end of it? And then for his end of it, because obviously approaching a story as writing a play is not the same as writing a novel. I mean, I've, we've both act, we both have acting experience, right? So we have both, had experience reading and performing off of a screenplay. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's not, it's, it is completely very different yes. than writing a novel. Yes. So how did you guys work as far as like exchanging those details so that you had what you needed and he had what he needed? Right. Yeah. So in, in case you missed it, the sort of our topic today is like the devil's in the details, how, how much details are mm -hmm. important and how much aren't. And so I guess in a case for uh, my story where it's a, a, about a, a theater, they're mm -hmm. rehearsing a play. How much detail of the play do you insert into the novel so that the novel doesn't feel mm -hmm. like it's play? versus novel so how much of that do you insert before it becomes overwhelming and it's like am I reading a play or am I reading a book <laughs> you don't want your reader to sort of get confused and so right. th th there's a balance there right so for for me I wanted to I first spoke with the playwright and I said this is what I need for my story I need a couple who's in their 30s I need there to be um a kiss within your store in your play somewhere and have at it with the rest of it I'll make whatever you come up with sort of work but that's what I need for my story because I had an outline of what I mm. sort of wanted going in and I shared with him that outline so that he knew what he was dealing with and he was able to go okay I know what you need now I'll write make sure that those characters are in there and then for my story, I, I worked with him through the play. I worked through all six drafts with him. So I had a very intimate oh, wow. backhand of, of what was going on in the story. So I knew sort of what passages I could sort of lift up that could highlight his writing, highlight his script, but also benefit my story. The theme and his play sort of inadvertently tied in with the, the the theme and the lesson that my character needed to learn. Mm. So I was able to sort of lift out pieces from his play and put it in. But at the same time, I hope I didn't add too many snippets from the play to be like, I don't care about this play, just get to the good stuff. So I tried to keep things short, you know, nothing more than a page, page and a half, very short excerpts. Um, and maybe like, maybe like right. 10 total excerpts. It's mm. not a lot. Um, it's mostly book. But I think I've had from a couple of readers reach out to me and say they want to read the play. So hopefully there's enough of the tease of the play in there that also will help cross over to, to him. So 
Most it's fair. trying to not overwhelm your reader with too much, but tease enough. It's finding that healthy balance. And that's, yeah. you know, and that's, that comes into play, especially when you're working with a co-writer, which yes. is essentially what you were doing, even though you weren't co-writing a novel, right? right. you were working in tandem Absolutely. in order to produce two separate but related yeah. Yeah. things. Yeah. Um. Now, and specifically when we're talking about working on a novel, um, the devil really is in the details. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There are so many details. I, I It always strikes me as funny when people just think it's so easy to write <laughs> a book. Like, yeah. you've never written a book, have you? Because, yeah, you wouldn't say that if you yeah. were actually writing a book that was commercially viable. Um, and I guess that's another thing is the difference between a book that's commercially viable and a one that's not. We're assuming in this podcast that you are, as a writer, wanting something that is commercially viable. Because if if you don't care if it's going to sell well or if, if it has the potential to sell well, then... And it's a hobby. It's not yeah, a career. Then it's which a is hobby. fine. There's absolutely and, nothing wrong with that. And you can write as many purple prose as you want. Right. You can be as flowery, right? you know, as you want yeah, to be. Yeah, maybe that's a good thing to describe for people who might not yeah. understand what purple prose is. How would you describe purple prose to a newbie who's like, well, 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 oh, gosh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, you know it when you see it. <laughs> pretty much. You, you know it when you see it. it it's just really flowery, uh, robert, um Verbose sort of unneeded details that take yeah. you out of the action and slow things down. There's only so much of a right. room you need to describe before we get it. We don't need to know yeah. the intricate details of the curtain unless that detail of that curtain is important later. So like mysteries or something like exactly. that. If that pattern needs to come back later as a clue, then yeah, you better spend some time, but not too much time. Cause you yeah, because then you'll to... then you'll give it away. But yeah, you, you may away. have to you may have to do that. But yeah, I mean, the when I think of purple prose, the one that comes to mind there is a story. I've mentioned this before. There was a story that we were required to read in high school, and it took six pages for this guy who was standing on a street corner to describe what he was seeing right. on the street. Right, and. I don't need to know the about the cracks in the window panes and it's an the veins and the leaves exercise. on the trees. I it's mean, a, it's a good exercise to see if you can do it and can yeah. really observe stuff. But a reader mm -hmm. is going to get bored to tears, especially in romance, unless you're yes. describing, you know the bedroom scenes. Then go into detail. Yeah, um, but even there, you. But even then, yeah. Even yeah. then, you there is a balance because yeah. you you don't want to again. It's the flowery language. Like there is a reason why in romance there are certain words that are not really preferred to describe certain right. genitalia, especially of the male variety that right. used to be used a lot. Sure, if you sure. went back in like the seventies right. and eighties. They had some pretty creative yeah. terminology for the male anatomy. Yeah. yeah. That we yeah. that would get 
would be laugh would be very right. laughable in modern day romance. Yeah, and you can you can sort of pick up on what's sort of the acceptable terms by reading a lot. That's one of the benefits of reading yes. within your genre is because you go, oh, that's what we're calling it these days. All right, note <laughs> to self, because in a decade it might not be that. So it's very important to to kind of read in your genre. Um, I think one of the things that that trip people up a lot in in the in the details when if we're talking mm-hmm. about that is the exposition. You know those those details. How do you know where it needs to go and how much of it to put in? Because I see a lot of newer writers, they'll do what's called an info dump. They will just put oh. all of the information they think Hate a reader info needs dumps. to know in Hate the first chapter. And then not until chapter three, four or five, the story starts getting going. Like, here's all the back history that you need to know about the character. Now we can start the story. No, no. (laughs) Don't do that. Yeah. And then some of that is just, unfortunately, a lot of that is learned. Yeah. I mean, that it's a trial and error type of thing. It's one of the great reasons why you need beta readers and, good editors, yeah. proofreaders, people who critique partners, however your your structure is, that will give you good, honest feedback. Yeah. They're not just there to stroke your ego, to right. sit there and say, oh, it's great. Everything's right. wonderful. Don't change anything. Yeah. That's I mean, not I the type of beta beta reading you no, want. <laughs> no, because the last thing you want is for when you get, when your book gets out on sale to the public, to get a slew of one-star reviews out the gate because you have just info dumped yeah. for four or five chapters. Right. Um, because you will lose so many, you will have all these DNFs, these do not right. finishes because people will get bored by right. the time they get to the story. One of the, since we both write romance, mm-hmm. our expertise is, you know, obviously in that right. arena and a good, a good, thing with a good kind of rule of thumb with that in romance is the the hero and the heroine need to meet at least least the name is mentioned of who the person right there they have to be kind of there has to be some sort of an introduction even if it's not a physical introduction there has to be an introduction of both of their preferably by the end of the first chapter but at least by the end of the second yeah and it if needs you can, to be within there. The, the very, it's as soon as you can, get that love yes. interest introduced because that's what right. your readers want. Now, every genre is going to be different. What, right. what that that hook is, if it's mystery, you're going to want, you know, the first, you know, nugget of. Well, if it's a, like, say if it's a, a cozy mystery or a murder mystery or something like that, something where there is a dead body involved, where they've got a solid, that dead body needs to be found again, usually within the first right. two, maybe three chapters. Right. It has to be found. You cannot have it be found in chapter 10. Right. You are going right. to lose right. a good portion of your readers right. if you wait until chapter 10 to to have this dead body appear of this <laughs> mystery that you're supposed to be solving. Right. It, it just doesn't work. So yeah. yeah, reading reading in your genre is very, very important uh, so that you do understand what the typical requirements are. I mean- our one of our co-hosts, Tina Moss, she mm-hmm. has talked a lot over uh, the course of the podcast about how she <clears throat> how she did all of this research and read and read for like two years. Right <clears throat> now, before my she, voice is yeah, gonna before 
before she did her her alien romances mm-hmm. yeah she she read a lot in the genre yeah. so that she knew what the expectations were she right. knew what the norms were so that when she sat down to start writing she would be right on track and it it's mm-hmm. paid off for her her you know she's got good sales yes. because she is playing to what readers want and they don't yeah. want a lot of exposition just think about books that you've read in your life that you just you put mm-hmm. down or you're 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 bored with why are you bored it might be because you're getting a lot of info in that first. You would. It's better to sort of thread that stuff in slowly, mm-hmm. a line or two here or there. You hint at, you know, something, and then readers are smart. Let us let us put the pieces together. Don't give us the completed puzzle right up front. Mm-hmm. Give us little right. little tiny pieces and let us let us do the work. That's what makes it fun also, as a reader. Yeah, working it into a conversation is also a good oh. tip. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a yeah. good way to do it. If you need to, if, if, if the reader needs to know something about a character's past um, because it's relevant to the right. situation or to yeah. their reaction or what have you, you can weave into the narrative hints to that effect, but it's good to be able, if you can, to find a way to get that into the dialogue. They're yeah. talking to some other character about it. Or they're telling another character, uh, a love interest or a friend or, or, or you know, even a parent. I mean, it just a family member, something like that. They could be having some sort of a conversation that brings that information in. But it's a lot more interesting. Right. It's engaging. It's, it's much more engaging right. to be a, 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 a participant, I guess, is, is in, right in that you're you're drawn into it you're not being told it you're you're observing it you're you're kind of seeing you're in the action and you can right. also I- introduce things in things that aren't being said what what is their physical body doing when somebody says something are they shrinking away or whatever I'm like oh that's a detail they don't want mm-hmm. to hear about that or that's something so you're 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 threading in that that back history right so body language right. is is important as well. I think I think that kind of goes back to what we always hear about is, you know, show versus tell. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is one of those things because it is kind of I know um I was talking with uh, Marianne a few podcasts ago about LY verbs and how we're not supposed to really, you know, we're right. never supposed to use LY verbs, which isn't actually the case. Right. There are times when you, it's more appropriate to right. use ly verbs, right? Um, and there's, you know, you just don't want a ton of them because then right. it seems amateurish and right. childish and things like that. You're not in second grade anymore. You need to, you know, your vocabulary has evolved. Hopefully, unless you're writing. We're trying children's to books. put them in at a young age. It's hard to break that. <laughs> I mean, if you're writing children's books, that's yeah. a whole different ball game. But we're talking about adult genres for the, right. for the most part right. here on this podcast. And so, you know, you you want to take that into it because with the same with show versus tell, because there is some times when you do want to tell, but most of the time you do want to show. Yeah. So and in that vein, you do want to talk about, you know, your your five senses, you your sight, your sounds, your taste, your smell. Um how the character is feeling versus, you know, versus just saying he did this, she right. did that. Um, that doesn't, that gets very boring. I mean, you it's know, one thing to say he walked down the street, right. but don't, don't make the next sentence. 
then he did this then he right. did that oh and right. next he didn't you know that yeah weren't again that's, that's yeah no. I, ha- I had a, a i have an author friend who with her sensory stuff in one of mm-hmm. the many drafts that that she does she will highlight in a different color mm-hmm. one color per per uh, sense where she's using sensory stuff and then she'll kind of do that in words you can kind of shrink things so you sort of get a bird's eye view and she'll go where am I missing sensory details or where do I have too many of one? I'm like, oh, that's a really good idea. I should do that. But that seems like an awful lot of work. But it's a really good way to sort of spot like, oh, I'm using sight a lot. And I'm sure a lot of us do as writers because it's the easiest for us to see. I see this, I, you know, I looked at this and I, you can describe it. It's much harder to, you know, fit in things that are tasting and smelling and touch it. it it's, it's, a little, I guess, touch is a little easier in, in romance, but you know, it, it's something mm-hmm. to think about. It's, it's it's something you could do as an exercise one day if you're ever wondering, do I have enough sensory details? Try color coding and see. Yeah, or or have a beta reader that's good yeah. at spotting those types of details and yeah. have that, you know, be something they're specifically looking for. Yeah, where uh, can I add more sensory partner? stuff, mm-hmm. or where do you right. wish I was? describing things more or or whatever right and I will say that that really becomes important if you're writing sex scenes yeah or or even fight scenes because fight scenes and sex scenes are very similar in a lot of ways extra pairs of hands or legs yeah but I mean even like even like you know um you know okay you're if you're writing a fight scene okay and somebody punches the other person you punches your character in you know in the mouth right you know if they cut their lip then, you know, it might makes, you know, it may actually make it more of a, you know, a visceral experience for the reader if you then describe the taste of the blood in their mouth. And don't forget that detail because lips take time to heal. So in the next sentence, they're not magically better. (laughs) Right. Oh, yes. Don't forget that detail that they're still injured. I'm I'm writing a a book now and I've realized that I've, given my my person an air cast because that's what the, mm. the story needed i'm like oh god now i've got to remember that this character is in an air cast has an air cast fucking book mm-hmm. yeah I, I i actually years and years and years ago i read a romance where um the reason the two characters got thrown together was because the heroine got shot oh yeah and she ends up being in the care of the hero because he finds her and so he's taking care of her well like only a few days pass and they're now sleeping together she's magically better she's not and there's at all. no mention of this of her being injured and i'm like she got shot it's not like she just author forgetting the detail down the stairs <laughs> she got shot so remembering those details is yeah. important um, it is. and it's easy and it's easy to forget those details. Yeah. I, I mean, it seems, seems like, oh, wow, how could you forget that? Right. But it's so easy to forget because remember you're writing a 50,000, 60, 70, 80,000 word manuscript. Fictional universe. Yeah. And These people aren't real. <laughs> right. It's not like you can just go and be like, oh yeah, I remember they, you know. Yeah, they, because if it was, especially if it was like 10, 20,000 words ago when it happened. And if you've had a lull in the time that you've written, if you haven't written on it for a few months, mm-hmm. it's easy to forget those 
details for sure. Very, for very sure. easy to forget. I those. have a question for you in terms of details um, about like character details. <laughs> Do you have any tips for, for, for authors to, to how to convey maybe what a character looks like without you know, sort of the cliche of looking in the mirror. I mean, sometimes that's what we got to do, right? We got to get this detail out and we look at a mirror and we describe what we're seeing. It's a, it's a really sort of a, it's a cheat way to, to quickly yeah. get, you know, but, but how are you in terms of details? How are you getting those types of details in? Well, in a- I either have another character, I either have the opposite character describe them like the meet cute is perfect yeah. is a perfect way to do that sure. if you have a meet cute obviously the hero has impressions of the heroine and vice yeah. versa so that's a really good way to do it um you can also introduce character details in more subtle ways yeah. um like say you have your character go to the gym okay um having her her or him express something about themselves like maybe you know you mentioned that they're you know they get on the treadmill that they're you know and they you know they run all the time you know they're an avid runner that instantly have a body type right right that presents a picture in the head same thing i have in my newest in my in my story that um will be out here with my new one um he's a swimmer so immediately you picture somebody that has a broad chest right. because I'm picturing him, you know, I'm, and you know, I'm picturing it as a swimmer. It's the same way about age. When you mention a character's age, yeah, you know, that automatically puts some sort of a picture in your head. Yeah. You know, when I say my character's 55, you're not picturing somebody in college, right? You know, you're, 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 you're picturing an older, you know, right. gentleman who's most likely, you know, more set in his ways or at least established in his life and career. Um, he's not going to be probably going out partying all the time. You know, you, you get a, you, those little yeah. details can provide a lot of information. What about you? What do you, yeah, what do you I do? was going to say, yeah, we add to that. Sometimes you don't have to be overly detailed. Because we as readers are smart and we can put the pieces together. You know, we can create sort of our own image. It might not match exactly what you have in your head, but does it really matter if it's an exact match? No, we just, we as readers need to have a a little bit of a something like what roughly they look like so that we can keep it organized in our head as we're reading. So I like to try to give you enough details, but not necessarily overkill so it might be something like she pulled her frizzy brown hair back in a ponytail Mm -hmm. you know to avoid the heat of the sun whatever you know you can throw in right or the humidity or the humidity caused her curls to you know go wild you know become become unmanageable yeah 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 yeah. but little little details that you just drop in there periodically throughout the narrative go a long way because readers are more likely to remember those details if you drop them in periodically versus if you do that info dump right because if you spend two three pages just giving going through the whole character's backstory and then 
going into how every every little detail about their appearance and all of that. We will rebel. We don't want to learn all that at once. Give it to us in small chunks. Well, plus, <laughs> if you do it all at the beginning, readers don't care about your character shit. Yeah. Yeah. You need to make them care about your character. Within that first chapter, or maybe the first 10%, even if you can get away with it, how do we sympathize? How do we care about, why do we care about them? Right. Do we like them? If we don't like mm-hmm. them, we're not going to bother the rest of the book, right? Yeah. Yeah. You need to have, there needs to be some pull towards that character. Yeah. Um, so whether it's, there's a situation that they're being put in that is awkward. Um, something happens to them that right. you, you know, you can, you can either sympathize or empathize with. I mean, there's so many different things that things in this, in my newest book, in claiming his kiss, these two have been friends for two years. And he has, you know, he's wanted her, but he, him being so much older than her has kept him at a distance. At the very, the very first chapter, the very first chapter, he's at, he's asked, he, he, he sees her having an issue with her neighbors and his protective instincts you know, I mentioned his protective instincts. So right there, that tells you something about him again. Right. And then he's, you know, he basically wants her, you know, tells her she, to move in with him. He's got plenty of room. So it's so, conflict right there. We, we instant know conflict, yeah. instant situation. But I pulled that you, I pulled this reader in. She wanted, oh, they're, they're moving in. They're going to be living in the same house. Right. Oh, right. how is this going to but it creates that intrigue. It's it's yeah. the it's just that little tantalizing bit of detail that pulls it because that's that's the point of a story is when you're writing a narrative, you want to leave little breadcrumbs yeah. for your reader. Absolutely. So they will want to follow you to the next step of the story and then the next step of the story. Um, so yeah, and you know, breadcrumbs. And they call them breadcrumbs, Easter right. eggs, whatever you want to call them. Right. <laughs> they are very Sprinkle important lightly. to a story yeah. because, and you really need to have something within that first chapter. Yeah, you do. Going, you got to hook them. There's so many books out them. now that you got to, you got to hook them. Look, we, we only have a, a few minutes left, but I wanted to touch upon uh, this particular thing because I think it's a hot button topic. Mm. Prologues versus epilogues. I have a lot of readers who tell me that they will not read a prologue because they consider it not essential to the story. It's like extra. It's like bonus. So in terms of the details of a story, how important is a prologue to you in terms of making sure your characters or your readers understand your story going forward? Do you use them? Do you like them? Um, I do not use them. And whether I like them or not really depends on how necessary they are to the story. I find uh, a lot of time pin- prologues aren't necessary. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing there. It really depends. Now, if you're, if there is a sit, I have read a few prologues, but I, which I would say they are relevant. Let's, let's put it that way, whether they're necessary or not, that's up for debate, but they are relevant to the story. So maybe, uh, maybe something happened five years ago that 
uh, maybe these two characters met five years ago, had an interaction, even if it was brief. And that, you know, kind of sets up the first chapter. You know, it has something that prologue to do... also be threaded within this story and maybe serve it's the story a... better. Maybe. Again, maybe. maybe it can. But in most right. of the time, I would say yes. There are, yeah. like I said, there are a few exceptions to that rule. Yeah. But I do find that for the most part, for me, in my opinion, at least in romance. Now, there are cases I have seen in literary fiction where right. that is not the case, where literary fiction um, does lend itself, in my opinion, more to prologues. Um, it Just because of the nature of the story, because literary right. fiction... Um, it's generally not a romance. There may be an element of romance within like a minor subplot of the story, but usually it's more um, about a person's life or a journey that they're on right. or something like that. That's something that, that happened years ago or whatever. Right. And, and if you're, and if you're, if you're writing something that is relevant today, but again, maybe something happened that you want to actually write in detail about right. um, the actual situation because it really doesn't fit in anywhere in the story. I mean, the parts of it that's relevant, but to try to weave it in, it really wouldn't make a whole lot of sense or it would be difficult to weave in seamlessly. Then I can see a prologue, but in the romance genre and in most other genre fiction, I would say, I don't think prologues are really all that necessary. Right. Now, epilogues, on the other hand, they are almost essential in romance. They can co- sort of um, tie into sort of the next book in the series. Right. That sort of thing. Yeah. But people like to have their, you know, happily ever afters. Just be and- careful you don't close all of your windows in case you decide, oh, the story suddenly blows up and you have solved all of the issues. Now you can't go back you've solved everything you can have them happy for now but they don't Mm -hmm. have to be happy forever (laughs) right so just kind of leave that that little bit of a window open I would say for romance a a prologue might be a good reader magnet like yeah that might be a good use of a reader magnet fun details but it's not necessarily mandatory right it's bonus sort of content it will supplement your story so i think a prologue right. is a great reader magnet as long as you're doing a prologue as far as you're doing it as like almost like a separate story yeah in it and should of stand alone. so we're not talking just a chore you're not talking it's just a chapter you're talking yeah. about like doing like several chapters as a prequel more right. or less than a prologue because a prologue right. to me is just one chapter yeah and um yeah, so it, it it just again there are exceptions to that rule, but for the most part, I am not a fan of prologues. Yeah. Um, but epilogues are a completely different just, story. Yeah, I, just be I, careful I really with your am. prologues and make sure you absolutely need them, and it's not just the author in you wanting to have this creative moment. Make sure and it's, it's not just it's filler. Really yeah, it, yeah, it, it can't be filler don't. because you don't want your readers to start out with something that they're bored with. Right. It has to be essential. No, no, no. But again, it when in doubt, get good beta readers, yep. get good editors that will give you good feedback um, so that they can tell you if you're just putting filler stuff in there yep. and or if you need more details. So 
I think we did a pretty good job in covering we this did, topic yeah. today. So um, hopefully um, our listeners out there have um, had some food for thoughts when they're uh, tackling their next project. And until next week, have a great week of writing. Bye. Bye, all. Thank you for listening to the Bound by Books podcast. For more information about the show and all of our hosts, visit our website at www.boundbybookspodcast.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review.